I can get people to listen to my jokes. And they'll even say nice things, dude, before they tell you how to get improvements. No way. What is this dang nabbit thing called? It's Joke Workshop. Joke Workshop? Yep, every Monday, 6 to 8 p.m. on the Mutant Radius. So you're saying I could tell my jokes every Monday from 6 to 8? That's what I'm saying. It's the Joke Workshop Mondays, 6 to 8 p.m. at the Mutant Radius. Yahoo! It's so confusing because it's 2 o'clock and you should be listening to the trippy space sounds of some call me Tim. But things have been a little moved around, a little discombobulated, a little discovidation here at Mutiny Radio. The AltaCast now from noon to 2 is a poetry reading in Glasgow, Scotland. Yes, of course it is. Choose poetry, choose life. Really great poetry, like scintillating work today, every day. And I got to read from my little book of pedophilia, which was exciting. People freak out with that title, and maybe I should change it. But I've got this whole book of poetry that I wrote that made its own story. It's a long story. It's flarfin. Anyway, it's one of those things where I'm like, I'm a genius. But you're not allowed to say that aloud on the radio. (laughs) Even when I feel it, I've got to keep it to myself. You know who's going to share her genius with us today on a phone call is LaToya, the Sheriff of Truth. She's calling in. So I guess, like, I'm flipping them. AltaCast is a poetry reading now, and some call me Tim is now AltaCast. So, all right. In hour two, I'll be playing the uh, interview I did with John Cheatham. He is a writer in uh, UK. I believe he's he's in one of those towns, not London, but it's one of them. I don't remember, but we talk about it. It's going to be up in hour two of Some Call Me Tim. We talk about his upcoming, his book that's already out and his upcoming TV series about almost being murdered by the Bulgarian mafia. And it's an tr- absolutely 100% true story. So amazing that he's still alive and that he's a writer now and he in a wheelchair for about four years and now he's not and his whole life is different from that event that happened 15 years ago so we're going to get into that on the second hour here of some call me tim other things happening at the station while i'm waiting for latoya the sheriff of truth to call in every friday we're having an outdoor comedy show from 7 to 8 p.m for the neighbors we just project the pa out on the street it's clean I've started working clean, and it's so funny. But then I wrote a slew of dirty jokes recently. I just got a lot of play on my Facebook page for my my joke this morning. My clit is so big, I can use a Cheerio as a cock ring. And everyone's like, ooh, this is this, or that is that. These idiots don't see that it is... It's a feminist joke, bro. Like, first, clits are tiny dicks, right? Hashtag all sizes matter. Clits are tiny dicks, and you try to subjugate us for having our, our cute little cocks, and I say nay. So, it, you know, it's a play on an old joke like, my dick's so big, how big is it? 
Uh, and it's also a play on my dick's so small, I use a cheer because the Cheerio thing, there's an old, old joke about going to a doctor and the wife and the husband and he's like, oh, I a Cheerio or whatever. And so there's a, you know, small little round thing, et cetera, et cetera. So I was doing a feminist play on it, right? A little, a little, a little flip. That's what the comedy is, right? You know, that's that subversion. So my clit is so big, I can use a Cheerio as a cock ring is hilarious. And people have been laughing at it. Uh, the other one, and and it's funny because I have a lot. I have a whole string of jokes that's all like, my vagina looks like blah, 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 blah. One-winged butterfly made out of thickly sliced roast beef. Ooh, whippity-doo. My butthole looks like someone threw a hand grenade into a deli. So I have a lot of genitalia jokes already. I have so much pubic hair, it looks like I have a kitten in a headlock. <laughs> it's like I'm wearing a hair skirt. Can't see anything. So I've got all those jokes to string behind it. I'm just burning time till Latoya calls. Uh, the other joke I came up with is that I look like Katherine Keener if she had a problem with cocaine. <laughs> I'm kidding. I don't look like Katherine Keener. No, no. I Actually, I don't do cocaine either anymore. I, it's because I can't afford it. You see, I'm not Katherine Keener. <laughs> see how that works. Uh, and, then, and then it's going to go into, uh, you know, I used to be worried when I was wiping my nose that people would think, does she have an allergy or does she have a Coke problem? But now they wonder if I have COVID. I'm a triple threat. What? It's one of the reasons to wear your mask so no one can see your Coke addiction. Up oh, there she is. Yes. There she is. Hello. Latoya, Hello, the sheriff of truth. She's here with us. Hey, it is so great to hear from you. How has this week been? You. Yeah, this week's been crazy. Uh, I took acid for the first time in uh, like over 15 years. Damn, girl! COVID so, times turning you out. Yeah. I um. So you know, since the park is the hangout spot now. I saw. You know, I saw on your Facebook. Anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. So I had a nice Golden Gate Park moment. It was a friend's birthday and. Had some acid, and we were practicing social distancing. Good. No, I saw um, you had masks on. You had a mask on. Yeah. Good work. And so, yeah. And then, you know, came home and started seeing shit. Wow. Uh, the still on fire, and, uh, yeah. All that fun stuff. How about you? How about me? Um, Oh, I've had, a, I've had an amazing week. I, you know, it's just so funny because... I'd forgotten that I microdosed shrooms on Sunday. Did I do it on Sunday? Nice. I did. Was it Monday or Sunday? Today is Wednesday. I See, that's the thing. I don't even remember which day I did it. But I took like a real small dose of mushrooms <laughs> and then I forgot until like yesterday. I'm like, oh, that's why the day was so good. But that's all. I, I mean, uh, I haven't been, I haven't been too crazy. I've pretty much just been hanging out at the station. I, I mean, this is COVID. I'm going to figure this I'm going to figure some shit out this week because people told me that this whole cares act because I own a small business I can get money and I'm like I yes, can yes. I need I need someone to walk me through this because I don't I, I'm going to this is like my goal for this week is to find out how to get this money cuz I can keep the station alive if I have absolutely like uh, pfft, 
I just need a, I, I, I need a little help from the government. And I didn't know. And nobody, there's no, like, directions. There's nobody helping you. There's no, like, hey, you over here. You have to seek everything. It, it's so funny. Like, you know, I just heard about the CARE Act. I mean, I don't have a small business or anything. But it, a lot of these programs are not, like, like it out there. You, no. You, it's almost like searching for a scholarship. Right. Well, <laughs> and that's the way I feel. Do, I, I keep yeah. feeling like. The government's supposed to be having all this help, but they're not helping me find the help. Like, you created the water, but you're not leading the horses to it. Like, I'm a horse, and it took me this many months for someone to finally tell me, like, yeah, you have a small business. They can totally help you. I thought that I can't get unemployment because I own my own business. I just thought I was fucked, and I was just going to have to, you know, close the doors or beg for money. But that doesn't seem to be the case necessarily. So, I'm not. You got to do your homework on a lot of this stuff like you yeah. know, just like with unemployment you know and how it is now with everything being backed up you've got to do a lot of your homework and also to something else to uh, possibly check on see if any like women organizations right. are donating or are uh, are giving money to uh women-owned businesses yeah i uh, applied sure for a grant a lot of those. i applied for a grant yeah. that was a women-owned business and in san francisco i didn't get it I haven't gotten, I, I didn't get, I only got one like $500 grant. It was a personal grant for being uh, an artist. It's really hard though because I'm trying to keep my business alive and keep the art flowing and the free speech and keep this place going and clean the toilet and do all the PR and all the stuff and I just don't have time. But I, what I'm going to do is I, 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 it's in my thinking now and it's in my world. It needs to get done and so I'm going to start asking for help. I pretty much just need a person who isn't afraid of me to come over to my house and sit down with me while I do it because I get so frustrated by paperwork and I just have so much fear and anxiety around money in general that I just need some moral support for someone to sit down with me because if I try to do it myself, which I have, I get so frustrated that I want to like throw my computer out the window and I just like start weeping (laughs) and it's really difficult for me. But if, if I can get a person to like be yeah. there with me or zoom with me and talk me through it and walk me through it or just be there while I'm trying to get it done, I probably won't feel as much like stress and anxiety over it. So that's what's sort of going on with me right now. Oh yeah. Because doing like doing like these kind of like, you know, grants that we have to fill them out. Yeah. They're, they're so complicated Yeah. because they, so many, it's almost like a, a, a word puzzle that you can never finish. Right. Like it's, you always think you're finished, and then there's this, and then you didn't do this right, and you got to find this, and it, it's just, yeah. Yeah. You know. It's hard. It's hard so for me. But there's in, always something. On the flip side, COVID has been fantastic for my comedy. I have, I don't think I've ever been funnier. I'm writing so much stuff. I have so much new material. I've got clean material. I've been posting things like this week on Facebook. I've been fire. Like everybody's laughing at my fucking jokes. I, I know. I'm like, what's I going on? I, I don't know. People must I be noticed. bored. Or, mm. Yeah, I noticed something else too. You've been like dressing like really girly and cute like outside and shit. 
like, whoa, look at Pam wearing this little cute dress. Well, like, uh, yeah, I've been, microphone performance. I've been walking, <laughs> I've been walking f- f- five miles a day minimum. So I don't think my bods looked this good since I was in my twenties. Um, which I'm super stoked on. I mean, my boobs obviously are much saggier now, um, and my butt sags a little bit too. Not as it's not as tight as when I was in my 20s, but I feel great about myself. Like it's crazy, and it's I gotta tell you, a lot of this, and it is it's fucking COVID, man. Because I've been doing these crazy Zoom calls, these crazy like, and I'm getting, and I'm not. I mean, you know me, like. I'm kind of vain or whatever, but I'm not like, I'm not like usually wearing dresses and doing this kind of shit. And, but I'm getting all of this positive attention from like guys, but they're all far away. So it doesn't matter. It's like this really safe attention. Oh, like Jersey. Like, yeah. Like, like Jersey, Jersey and, and New York and wherever else they're coming from. I don't know. There's some that are here on this coast. We're kind of bi-coastal on that call, but I've been getting like. I've never, I've never felt this good about myself, and I don't know if that's a blessing or a curse. I, here's something I've noticed too, even with you know the afar part podcast that we've been doing. Your your energy has changed. Hmm. Your energy, it seems like, uh, you're more on the up and up. Which is good. I guess maybe it's the fact of having time to reflect and not have to be crazy, crazy busy and be too stressed out on booking shows and stuff like that because we can't right now. But, I mean, there's only, you know, old Pam would be freaking out about Meet Me and please donate. Uh, yeah, right. uh, (laughs) Yeah, donate. Go donate to the GoFundMe. If you want more of these conversations. And those wonderful Zoom calls. Donate to the station. Meet me, da da da. Uh, so, I think that that's pretty cool. And I think that that's the positive side. If we we all know the negative side about this beast of a virus. Yeah. yeah. But with everyone being so busy and everything is now cut short, there's time to self-reflect for some people. Mm-hmm. And I'm actually trying to do that right now. Um. But I, I like to hear the positive, you know, oh, like, it's, for it's, example, yourself. It's summer camp you know. right now. I'm in the middle of, like, artistic summer camp. It's like, oh, what do I want to do today? Which Zoom, what do I, should we read a script? Should we read poetry? Are we going to, like, I, I've been writing a ton. I, I mean, it's it's great. I, I honestly feel like I'm in COVID summer camp. I, I have a lot of fear <laughs> and I have a lot of anxiety. <laughs> for the future but for right now things are good i mean and that's terrible yeah i, I don't and there's nothing you're working with what you can do yeah yeah this is what you have right now and you're working with what you can work with such as still doing a new modern version of comedy yeah new modern version yeah i mean the outdoor survival, shows survival comedy <laughs> the, the outdoor shows where people are distanced i think they're safe we have microphone condoms now um, we've got plastic bags, we've got gloves, we've got bleach. Like, we're keeping it, people can make it as safe as they feel comfortable. There's been a lot of beef on the Barrier Comedy Network, which is why I haven't been posting my shows on there, because the people who have been having shows and are posting have been getting, like, shit on. And it's a bummer because 
I've been to these outdoor open mics, and I feel like they're safe. They're outside. Yes, we're all sharing a PA system, but like I said, the, the precautions are there to protect yourself and to protect others. So, I mean, what's the what's the big whoop? And so I think that the people who it's are... underground. Well, the people who are coming yeah, out and, and having a problem with it are super FOMO. They're like... In their minds, they're like, I have to do Zoom shows, and I don't get to do a live show because I can't go out and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, hey, I'm sorry, but I don't know. From my perspective, I ain't got no kids. I ain't got no family. I'm not going to give my cats COVID. I wear a mask outside. I wear a mask inside. I cover the microphone. I I mean, I don't know what else I'm supposed to do. I'm doing my best. It's not like you're doing shady shit and illegal shit, you know, you could do shows inside, but only three or four people could be in. Exactly. But even if you were to do that, even if you were to do that, that's putting everyone's health, those five people in that room at risk. Well, you know, they, the most responsible thing. They've opened up open mics in New York. There's a, there's an open mic at a place called club 77, I believe. I've been looking on the internet, and I've seen somebody's sets from it, some people's sets um, that did it. It's on a Thursday. Anyways, it's in New York. And what they've been doing is there's no more than 10 people allowed in the building at a time. So you go in with masks, and in between comics, they wipe off the stuff, and people line up outside. And when there's like six people in there and four comics, and when the, or three comics or something, and seven real people, and then when the comics leave, they let three more people in. And they keep like rotating it so that – there's no more than 10 people inside, yeah. and they're cleaning everything. But it's th- – that's what they're doing. And that's in New York City, and I thought they were super shut down, but maybe maybe they're not. No, they're actually on the up – they're on the up and up. They are – they're reopening. New York's, of course, not completely open yet, but they're doing much better than we are. We're back to square one, which I'm starting to get confused where we're at here in California. This time last week, we were going back to shut down. I, I haven't been doing my homework on where the status California is because I'm confused. <laughs> yeah, duh. I mean, like, I know there's, can, it's the information. It's the same thing about like the CARES Act and who it covers and if you have a small business. And no one's calling me to say, hey, you can. do you need help? And, I mean, that's all the onus is on me, and I understand that I need to go out and I need to get that done. But nobody's spreading but the information either. Like that says free money. Yeah. Right. If you Google something, and and you and you try to find it on your search engine, you, you probably won't find anything like that until like the sixth or seventh page, because they keep it so far. Because a lot of people they they try to hide these things, you know. Because there's a lot of free money out there. It's just it's it's. It's like a tre- treasure hunt. But even beside the money, you know? I feel like the information, the truth, or whatever's happening is not being disseminated among the people. We don't know. I've been hearing rumors like smoking cigarettes cur- makes you not have COVID. I've heard smoking pot helps you oh, not get COVID. I, at the beginning, at the beginning, oh they said God. don't take ibuprofen. And now they're saying you should take ibuprofen if you get it because it lowers the information and inflammation in your lungs and you won't get these COVID-inspired asthma attacks. So the, what is the information? I've heard that it's impossible to transmit outside. I've heard it's possible to transmit outside. I've heard that 
I've heard everything that you can possibly believe. I've heard that if you wear a mask, if you wear a mask during an orgy, and when you're, you can't kiss people, but you can go down on them. I'm like, if if COVID can be passed, I'm hearing. Who's telling this bullshit? I'm just saying. Here's my question, though. That's the thing. If is it just passed That's by not your how mouth? Works. Well, it does it. Is it just passed by your mouth, or if you, if you go down, if can you? Is it transferable by mouth, just mouth to mouth, or is it transferable from mouth to genitalia? Can you get COVID in your vagina? No, you would get it. Any, I want to go back to the smoking thing. Yeah. Um, smoking. Wait, that is. I don't know what's crazier with the the one with the oral sex one that you just were talking about, yeah, or the cigarette one. Which, hello, as someone that used to smoke, smoking for a long period of time gives you respiratory issues. Right. What is a virus attack? Respiratory. Respira- right. Who the yeah. hell said like smoking cigarettes? <laughs> I also heard that smoking pot. Here's the here's a here's the new joke I came up with. You know, uh, when I'm outside, oh people. God. I, I realized uh, I was outside. I was walking, and I realized that uh, people won't give me shit for not wearing a mask while I'm smoking. Uh, so I become a chain smoker. Real healthy, San Francisco. Real healthy. Real healthy. Ah, ha ha. Ah, ha Well, there's only two times that you're not. You shouldn't. There, there are two times that you can't wear your mask. One when you're smoking. Two when you're eating. So maybe I just need to smoke and eat all the time. No, I don't. <laughs> So I have, but that's live, one of my new jokes. Yeah, but aren't the majority of the time you're mostly by yourself unless you're doing comedy. I'm always, by, I'm pretty much always by myself, yeah. Like, I don't, yeah. I, I'm alone in my house with my cats. I walk alone to the station. I, I stay super distanced from everybody because I don't know anybody. If I see someone you're on the way that I know. Yeah. yeah, then I come to the station. So I walk my two and a half miles. I get to the station. I'm alone. I'm alone here. I changed the mic condom right, before exactly. I started. And I'll be here alone until, I don't know, four. And then I'll do my walk back home. And, yeah. I, I mean, that's that's all I'm doing. That's the, yeah, and the thing is, like, you know, this is how you do it, ladies and gentlemen. Like, if you... These crazy, there's been so many more crazy videos of people like at pool parties and stuff and yeah. just like wanting to be out so bad to the point like you're you're going to die maybe or if you get the COVID, your your body, some instances I've read and heard both that, you know, some people's respiratory system hadn't been the same since they, you know, gotten over the, the virus. Yeah, I heard it can have permanent so, damage I to mean, your respiratory yeah. system. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, you may be alive, but certain parts of your body will probably be really, really fucked up. Yeah. But with you, I mean, you you're where you have the condoms, everyone has their mask on, everyone's practicing, practicing uh, social distancing. I mean, that's all you can do. It's all we can do. Though. Yeah. I mean, I, and that's the thing is I don't, uh, it's like, it's when's like it going to be I, over? When is this going to be over? I just want to go gonna back be to over work. Until we get a, a, a new, a new, uh, administration. 
that, here's we the thing. Get everybody, like, the, honestly. The T administration is terrible. T is for terrible. But <laughs> B, what's T B going to be for? B is going to be for, like. Boring. But. Basic. <laughs> I just. The thing is, he's got, I feel like he's got dementia, and we want to have another president with dementia. We already had Reagan, and we saw what that did. Are we all just acquiescing and acknowledging that the president is a mere figurehead and is meaningless in our entire political system? But he's not, because we saw what T did. T has fucked everything right. up. He really has. The, I mean, I mean was Obama he's, a fi- he's fucked everything up that you have a lot of people that were conservative, not a lot, but a lot of people who call themselves conservative that are voting for Joe Biden, as well as you have people who are like really hardcore left, like I'm progressive. I hate that I have to vote for Jim Crow Joe. A lot of us are throwing up in our mouths because we have to do this. We have to do it, though. But you have, you know, sometimes you got to do what you got to do in order to survive. And this is one of those survival moments sure. where, okay, I'm not enthusiastic about this asshole. I know his past. Yes, I, I he has a race issue as well. But in contrast to this guy who is right now having secret police in Portland and in my city in Chicago. Dear Lord, I saw the you Portland know, stuff. People untrained. Yeah, he's having untrained uh, border patrol and U.S. marshals come into these democratic cities that, um, which he said, basically to break up the protest. He says people are rioting. No. Well, I've and seen actually, it though, and it isn't. Is it isn't that they started rioting and then they broke it up. It's the fucking people he's bringing in but that they, are starting the goddamn riots. When you bring in a police exactly. force that is completely untrained against peaceful protesters, and they start fucking up, you know what's going to happen? You're inciting a goddamn riot. You pile That's racist exactly dog the shit. Yeah. They they incite the riots. He says that they're going in there to keep the peace, but when you have untrained people who are not that not versed in nonviolent uh, communication and in de-escalation, they're All actually escalating. Non- they're escalating the problem. They're There's, escalating it. There hasn't been a violent protest since the beginning. All, every protest, and you know what? I don't care if they were violent. It got our voices heard. Violence sometimes has to fucking happen, okay? But right now, that's not going on. People are actually peacefully protesting, and they're shutting people's constitutional rights down. Now, the fact with him, with this, because I call them secret police because they are. They don't have badges. They don't have their names. They don't have their badge numbers. They can't. They've been picking up, putting people into a van. Yeah, pre-arresting people. Yeah, that's yeah. kidnapping. Yes, yes. And then the state, the state and governors. They. It is not the federal government's job to intervene on a state, right? Unless a state governor asks for federal help. Sure. So them come and it, what they're doing is breaking the laws. So what can happen after this is ever there could be a. A lot of people are going to sue the Trump administration because of this. Yeah, I hope so. You know, they just peered gas a bunch of white, peaceful moms, and I appreciate those white moms in Portland yeah. that have the chain protecting the protesters. They tear gas them, and then the next day, which uh, this story is pretty cool, they have the dads. And so they t- try to tear gas the dads, but the dads brought leaf blowers. 
And so the tear gas actually ended up going the opposite direction toward those secret police officers. So there's footage of that. It was pretty cool. My, my and buddy. my mom told me. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Uh, I, just, I have a bunch of buddies in Portland, you know. And uh, so right, I've been yeah. seeing, I've been seeing all the, stop. I've been seeing all the inside scoop from their own cameras that they've been putting up and posting up. And the interesting thing is that a lot of them have been posting things that get immediately taken down. And that's another thing that's been happening on Facebook is that there's some kind of algorithm that has been removing posts of people. And so oh, the yes. truth, the un, the unedited and unbridled truth is not getting out from person to person because they are watching our social media they really are it's it's, Facebook. It's, yes it's actually i'm so glad you mentioned that too because i've noticed like with different chats and different things have been taken down off a uh, fraud book um and why does all the white supremacists and the the q on which i have something to say about that about twitter um all these propagandas are still up on Facebook. Yeah, gee, I wonder why. But anything about a lot of the Black Lives Movement, uh, like, and some of the stories that your friends in Portland. Yeah. Yeah, I've heard about, you know, shit being like taken down. It's weird. Yeah. Well, I've seen, it's I've weird. seen people. One of my buddies posed in front of, sort of looked like a riot to me. There was like tear gas canisters. He had a. Um, a breathing mask on and a special eye goggle mask thing. So it wasn't affecting him, but he's like crouching on the ground and you see all this fire and all of this smoke and craziness behind him and people sort of running. And I'm like, is Port, what the fuck is going on? Portland's on fire right now. But it's, it's not there. It's not the people that started the riots. It's the untrained people that come in and they, once you start, throwing tear gas canisters at people, what do you think is going to happen? Because that's exactly what 45 wants. You know, just like what he did in Washington when he took that stupid photo of him with the Bible upside down, he did the same thing to those pro- protesters. So we already know. But the fact that he's dropping federal agents like that in different cities unlawfully and picking up people – not reading people's Miranda right. I mean, it's just it. They. My mom says she saw some of them in Chicago, and she left work early because of they were about to protest. And then she saw some, you know, some of the Chicago PD. But then you saw these other secret police-looking motherfuckers with no badges and stuff. I mean, anyone could dress like that. And right, so there's a lot of white. There's a lot of white supremacists that are like <sighs> that have a hard on right you now. Just because of this. brought up such an interesting argument because of these secret police people that aren't real police and they don't. Anybody could dress up as that. No one's showing badges. There's no badge numbers. We don't see their cameras on there. But anybody could wear yeah. like black cargo pants and a black long sleeve shirt and a like a flak a black vest, right? and some cop sunglasses and go out and be crazy. And and right. and they could be it would be like a, a Halloween costume and it's not Halloween, but they'd be exactly. but anybody would believe that. Like right now our entire ideas of law and 
who's in charge, I think, are being flipped and subverted and confused. I mean, I've seen black cars roll. There was the day where the drone was above Geary and Leavenworth, where I live. And I was like, oh, there's a drone in the air. It, what is it looking for? And then an hour after, all this crazy stuff happened. And I was like, is this a movie? I honestly thought that they were filming like The Matrix 3 or 4 or something. But yeah, these, that, these, I'm not surprised by that. These yeah. black, nondescript van, van things yeah. came scrolling up the street, going in from all directions. Guys jump out, no badges, no police on the back of their on the back of their flak jackets, all wearing black with AK forty seven like big guns. I don't know what kind of guns, because I don't know guns, but big guns. And came out and then there had been they there had been some kind of shooting, something had happened, but I was like, was this planned? It seemed why was the drone there? How did they know? And then They were watching. They were wa- and then these things z- rolled up, someone got taken away. It was, and supposedly I'd heard gunshots too. So supposedly that other person had shot some bullets and that's what, but I'm like, it was so unnerving to see that in broad daylight too. It was like, I'm going to say 630 at night. So it was like, you know, nearing the end of the day, but still the day. If you see some, like, like presently, that's probably them because that, that's what they were doing in Portland and well. And also, too, you know, this is going to hit close to home for us because he's talking about uh, putting troops, not troops, they're not troops, fucking uh, secret police agents in Oakland. And just what's funny is he's, he's wanting to put them in Oakland, Detroit. He's already got some in uh, Chicago, but the mayor's trying to push them out. She's like, hell no, you know. And then New York, he's trying to... Why Detroit? Democratic run. What what is happening? I mean, Detroit doesn't need... Detroit needs help. They don't need policing. Like, the money that they're going to send... Here's my question. How much does it cost to send that, those troops or whatever it is to Detroit? Take that motherfucking money and put it in the infrastructure of that goddamn city. That's all. We're spending... So much money when it could be going to us right now and a stimulus that can help until things pick back up after this virus. Like all this money that we're wasting on this fucking golf trips, on these fucking secret police outings, on on one percenters, all that money that's being wasted right now could go to a stimulus package for us. Instead of that twelve hundred fucking dollars that we got, what in April one, and we're right. here August, dude. Yeah, I know it's so scary. Wasting this country is good for wasting shit, wasting time and wasting money. Well, wasting food. I had a I had a really interesting conversation with somebody yesterday or the day before, and I can't remember which day it was. Doesn't matter. Oh, it was yesterday, and his name is Andrew, and we were discussing the ways to fix the education system. So are we going to have school open up? Are we not going to have school open up? Blah, blah, blah. We, they, San Francisco says no. But I was talking to my buddy Andrew, and I was like, why don't we just 
get kids to be in pods of 12 or 11. One teacher, 11 kids. Oh, you mean the class size that should have been effective over all of this time that we could have been done it, doing? You know what we could do then? We could hire a bunch more teachers. We could hire tons of teachers. Oh, kids need to be outside? Why, in California, we can have walking lectures. We can walk around and learn about other things. Whatever happened to, to farming right at the high school, right up here on uh, Folsom? They have a huge farm in back that they're not using. We could be farming. That's an outdoor class. We could be learning about the plants in San Francisco. We could be going on hikes. We could learn about the indigenous people who used to live here, blah, blah, blah. But if we were in group sizes of 11 with one teacher and they were a pod and they had to stay together all day. And then you know what they do? They have to be friends with other classrooms. And you know what we bring back? Writing notes. Actually using pen to paper, writing letters, writing notes. That'll help their English skills. It'll help their communication skills. It'll teach them how to bridge the gap between pods. There's all kinds of things we can do. We could invest, and instead, we're pulling back. We're like, okay, no school, pull away, pull away. No jobs, pull away. We should be jumping in and saying, how can we do this safely? I think that class sizes of 11 people with one teacher, if they stay clandestine to their room, there's got to be a way to do it. Or It's fucking California. It would have to be tested. Everyone would have to be tested in order to start the school year. Great. You and, must be tested. And in Israel, they came up but, with the new breathalyzer. There's a breathalyzer test that Israel made up, peop, uh, some scientists in Israel. You blow into a thing within a minute. It tells you whether you have it or not. With, with, um, with what are they called? With temperature guns and uh, minute-long breathing COVID tests, there is no reason why we couldn't bring back education in in even a we'd be hiring more teachers like i want a job right now give me a job as a teacher there are so many people this is you know whose fault that is right no our friend betsy devos oh motherfucker what you what you just don't forget she's still around the fucking cunt uh i really hate her because actually that plan that you just made is something that people in her sector should be talking about. That is something that's an idea. And the fact that, you know, children must be tested before going back to school or having people be tested once a week at that school district, you could, you could, and then the classes would be smaller. Yes, exactly. More, more teachers in the classroom, which would mean more jobs. Absolutely. And then, what you would have to do is probably extend the school year because maybe you don't want classes all the way from like 7.30 till like 3.30. Maybe you might have to cut them short. Or you know, maybe we have to extend the day and have more teachers. Okay, so let's say that we, we have this building and we, you know, and we could hire more janitors because what they could do is have the morning, the morning classes and the afternoon classes. And in between, you'd hire more people to scrub the whole school down. You know, like, I feel like there's job creation that could be here and we're not even thinking or taking advantage of it in any way. You're dealing with morons and them threatening to take money out of uh, school districts, which they can't, by the way, because a law has to be passed. You can't just make an executive order and say we're taking funding from this school district girl funding. No, you can't do that. Um, but the thing is, they, the federal government is threatening a lot of these school districts by 
that by taking their funding, but leaving them with nothing. Right. They said, okay, now you guys figure it out. Yeah, good luck Zooming. Well, wait a minute. Yeah, like, we're going to need funding, like, if we're going to have to cut classes to a smaller uh, a smaller dynamic and then hire more people. We're going to need that funding. That way we could send kids back to school, but they're not even doing that. They're not even doing that. They're sending a lot of these school districts. Some are poor, but even if you are in a middle-class middle school district, federal funding, you need that bread. You know, and the fact of the matter, they're just leaving it up to these school districts and force and dictating and telling them, Kids have to go to school. We don't care. Or do you have any uh, anything what you know to help us with getting these kids back to school? No, figure it out. What? Seriously, you're dealing with these kind of people. You just set up a great example of how you get kids back into school. That's pretty fucking smart. Right? But you can't tell that to these idiots. We figure. Andrew and I were just sitting outside, and we were like, we figured it out. We fucking, we cracked, we cracked the education nut. We figured out the whole plan of how to bring it back. You're going to need more money. That's right. We, right. But that's the thing is the that. Secret police. Take the money out of the secret police. Take the money out of the unemployment. Let's employ the people. Uh-uh, don't take money out of the unemployment. Okay, well, no, I mean, no, I haven't gotten money. any, I haven't gotten no, any unemployment. Take money out of the military. We'll take money out of the military. Okay. I haven't yes. gotten any unemployment yet, so I'm like, I guess keep the money in there. I don't know. Help the people. But if you, I would. I would much rather be go back to teach if that was an option going back to teaching I would I would go back in a second I used to love teaching but a lot of the issues were that large class sizes people don't care blah 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 but like yeah 11 kids oh it'd be so fun it'd be it'd be like summer camp the kids could actually get to know each other you'd actually be able to yeah. do some real like behavior management within the group you could do all kinds of it'd be such right now is such a teachable moment here's here's something that also because we're talking k through 12 i think the most precious part of your learning experience is elementary and that is something because it builds you up to obviously uh high school and college the things that you learn and those classes are you know k through I think K through eight are the most fragile because you know you need to learn how to read. You know you need how to learn arithmetic. You know English, alt science. These are important necessities. And then maybe freshmen can like take like a half a day class. Like senior year can take online courses. You know, you you'd be cutting your costs if you had seniors you know, maybe come in a couple of days a week and then take courses online because yeah. in college, it's actually preparing you for well, online uh, courses. And we need... I mean, that's an option that you could do. And if you need um, more teachers, have the seniors teach the freshmen. Like, you could actually oh, use... No, you had Kids would have to teach, like, maybe kindergarten. Well, no, but they could... <laughs> I, I do think that there would be especially peer-to-peer -peer teaching that's another way to get over like how about this every 
pod group that's of 11 people is friends with someone else in another pod group and they one of them takes the class and they have to teach the information to the other one so then you have half the classes right but then you get the kids to interact on zoom i think the kids interacting with one another on zoom is fine but teaching through zoom is like you're putting them on mute are they listening are they not listening are they engaged are they learning anything who knows so if the teaching was was in a small classroom size of 11 to 1 and then they paired up with their buddy and they had to teach that information they're they're getting it twice because they're getting it and then they're teaching it so they really know that information and i think that i don't know i just think there's so many creative ways around this education there, issue there are and that we're just saying nope kids don't go to school now so what? Well, I don't think I don't think we should go to school right now because the the virus is actually worse. The virus is worse. I don't I don't you know it. This could have been all avoided. I don't think we should open schools right now. The problem is they should have prepared for this back when we all were on lockdown back in March. Because you always want to plan, okay, so if we are locked down till the school year, let's set up a program or a Zoom program that all dis school districts in the United States are able to have Zoom classes and they can teach them like regular courses. You get graded the same way. You still have the same interaction, though you will not be able to be in a classroom, but it'll still be like a, a classroom amongst 11, 10, 11 of your peers. You know, you take an hour for lunch, and then you have to come back. I mean, these are things, like, right now that we should be doing, but they're not even doing that. They're just forcing people back into school. And in California, we shouldn't be going to school. Our numbers are high. Uh, Texas, fuck, no, they should not be Arizona. going back Arizona is fucked right now. And it's so funny oh, because yeah, my paid. dad said to me weeks ago on the phone, yeah, nobody's wearing a mask. I go to the store. No one's wearing a mask. Nobody cares. We don't wear, we don't wear masks. He's like, we're on our, we're on our little golf, you know, thing, golf Island. None of us have it. It's like you go out to the store. You don't wear a mask. You're going to bring it back to the golf Island. Like, what are you doing? So, and they're all old have people. You them, have you talked to them since? No, I need to talk to my dad again. They're, my parents are old, man. They're like, my dad is 77 now? Is he 79? No, yeah, they're in 76. A he's 76. Age yeah, he's in the exact age yeah, group to die. Right. I, I, you know what? You should call him this week or email him and see how he's doing and see if he's changed his tune. Just because yeah. that was, you talked to them, what, before Arizona was, like, in the red? Right. And now they're the number one state or something. They were crazy. They grew, like, astronomically. And I understand why. Because no one was wearing masks. Right. And see, all of this stupid shit, this mask thing, the, the not wanting to self-quarantine because you want freedom. This is why we can't put school, kids back in school. See? This is why we can't we can't move along with our lives because of stupidity yeah. because you think that wearing a mask 
and quarantining takes away your freedom, try being a fucking slave. Well, okay? try being dead. <laughs> like, you, you're so yeah, concerned about your freedom. You're so concerned about your freedom in this life. But what, you just want to die because in heaven you can run around and skip and frolic with Jesus Christ upon the clouds? Come on, friends. Like, I mean, just because you have a death wish, please don't, you know, put it upon everybody else. Um, you know, in, in, in certain states where they are going to allow, like my home state, Missouri, the governor said, well, the kids are going to get COVID anyway, you know. So he's he's trying to force school uh, schools in Missouri to open. Say, well, you know, kids get sick. Well, what about kids that have asthma or kids that live with their grandparents or kids that live, that live with parents yeah. that could pass that on? Yeah, I mean, do you know you're you're starting a whole, a whole new sex pool? Whole, exactly, and of a, there's there's a lot of people who have been kicked out and become displaced because they are in their twenties and they don't care. I know a bunch of people that used to live with their grandparents, and now they are couch surfing because they don't have a place to live because their grandparents said, "You have to quarantine with us. If you leave, you're not making us safe." You can't be here. Yes. And they made the choice. They made the choice to not be home, to not be at their house. So now, I, I mean, I know a couple of them. They're all just couch surfing now, which is kind of super dangerous, actually, being yeah. questionably housed at this point. Because whose house are you staying at when and where? And, and that's You're untenable. You're putting yourself in harm now. Exactly. And other people. Every person like you what? stay with, every person you stay with is you're you're the vector, Victor, right? Like you're, but that is the, like most irresponsible choice. Yeah, that yeah. You, could, you like just stay in the house with your grandparents. Yeah. Well, but, now it's too late. They they they're already out. So now they're just like, it's it's a lot of it's, now they're homeless. Now they're homeless. It's guys. <laughs> it's it's guys I know that are in their they're under thirty. They're in their early twenties. You know, skateboarders and stuff, and they've just. They made the choice to be displaced. But then it's when they complain to me about it, I'm like, I'm not even going to listen to you. I, I can't even empathize with you. Wait, you made the choice. They even they even have the audacity to complain about Yeah, it? yeah. Right, trying to get a place on my please couch. I'm like, I'm, I'm saying, yeah, no. Tell me, tell me what you said. No, I was just like, I'm, I'm, you're an irresponsible person. I, I'm not, you can't live with me. Like, you can't sleep on my couch. You, I mean, I feel terrible. This one guy, actually, he has a car, though. So I was like, you can sleep in your car. Like, you made, when you made that choice, what did you think was going to happen? Like, were you magically going to find an apartment in the Bay Area during COVID? No, because you can't afford it because you were living with your grandparents. So, like, what did you think was going to happen? The, that you were magically going to be taken care of by, like, some some fairy angel's going to swoop down and be like, here, sleep on my couch forever. You know, be willy-nilly out in the world, making out with all these, or not making out. I don't even know, is anybody making out? Like, oh, I don't. My fantasy world has gotten just, deep and sorted. You chose, you choose to leave your home where it's warm and you have a bed and food and electricity yeah. to say, fuck it, I want to be out in public where everything's closed. Where everything's closed. Yeah. Nothing is open. You chose to tell, and now you're... I know. Wow. It's so funny to me. Yeah. 
one of, I would make fun of them. I, I, I there's like, I know, th- I know three of them. But so one of the three, he was like, well, there's a, I told my grandparents, I was like, there's a downstairs door and I could just like only go in and out of that downstairs door and like never oh go my- upstairs to their area. And I'm like, yeah, you think that's gonna, you really think you can do that? You really think you're gonna, you're gonna divide the house in half? Like, what are you, anyways, it was a silly answer. But these COVID times are very interesting to see who has critical thinking skills and who doesn't. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. You totally get to see the stupidity out of people yeah. and the choices that you make. When you can take something so simple of a choice and sacrifice just for a little bit of time rather than yeah. fuck yourself completely and take the hard road because yeah. – I, I I don't know why you take that choice. I mean, that's just idiotic. Well, it's that <laughs> I, I still think that there is some cognitive dissonance with people about what's happening. Yeah. I don't think that the severity of this disease has struck the brains of the people who are under 40. Because, well, I mean, and I'll say, let me say under 50 even. I don't know when I don't know when like the danger zone really pops up. But those that aren't in that danger zone I feel like are pretty willy-nilly about it because it doesn't and especially here in San Francisco because I guess London Breed did such a great job shutting things down and keeping things closed and keeping people safe right. that we just don't even see we're like well there's only 55 people that have died in San Francisco. So we look at those numbers and go this isn't a problem. But then you look at the numbers in other places and go, oh, it's not a problem here because we, our government, our people, our London breed and the rest of the supervisors or whomever said, let's not let this happen and are doing a really admirable job, I would assume. If there's only 55 people dead, they're doing a good job. It's, it's, it's people, it's, the outsiders yeah. <laughs> that you know because viruses spread you know people still are hard-headed and you know it oh. only takes one person to affect a hundred people this was and the other from that hundred people uh this was the other thing i heard oh, the, the the rumor i heard that if you have herpes and take valcret valtrex that actually staves off the virus as well because it's a cyclovir. I don't know if it's true or not. I'm just spreading rumors right now. This could be 100% fake news. This could be 100% fake news, but this is one of the things I heard. You think it's 100% fake news? It's 100% fake news. That the acyclovir that that one could be on for herpes can keep you safe from the virus as well or can lessen your – it can – help your immunity to it or something like that. And I was like, I guess that makes sense, the herpes virus and acyclovir, but I don't, but then that's my point is that all of this misinformation is being spread. Where are we getting it from? Who is saying it? What are these sources? You know, what is Um, real and what is not? It's what we were, we discussed very briefly earlier, like, you know, with a frog book, um, you know, he, that robot Zirkin, uh, Zuckerberg, yeah, yeah. you know, he basically just lets, it's like the wild, wild west on Facebook for propaganda, but if you show 
what's actually going on, like you, you were talking about earlier, like in Portland, for some reason the algorithm wants to swipe it off. But you have all this information about the virus, and you have certain groups like QAnon. Oh, by the way, this is what I wanted to mention. So you've heard of QAnon, that crazy conspiracy group, all Trump. They're, they're the anti-vacciners, oh, masters. God. idiots. They're the ones I think that's the hoax. Well, Twitter, props to Jack Dorsey on this. Oh, I just threw up in my mouth. <laughs> uh, he... Twitter banned all propaganda and QAnon and those propaganda sites off Twitter. Good. The ones that are spreading all the misinformation that you see on Facebook, yeah. he banned those sites. Good. So now you don't see the, those people on Twitter, which is a great move because that's not free speech. That's actually harming people. Right. That's killing people. Sure it is. There's, that's constant, you know, like the – the cigarette, like really, you smoking cigarettes can get can get right? COVID. Yeah, I know it's crazy. Yeah, like that's a conspiracy. People will believe that, unfortunately. Oh, I know. And oh we, yeah, yeah, and we are. I did. Like I was like, well, met. I guess I haven't gotten it. Maybe it's because I smoke so much. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Don't even think that way. You know better than that, girl. No, I know. If anything, you're going to get cancer. Right, exactly. Yeah, exactly. I'm not saying you are, but that's what comes with smoking. It's true. But but it's a a good thing that Twitter did ban, like, QAnon and other propaganda because, I mean, they're just going to go creation on Facebook even more. Yeah. But at least one platform is seeing the dangers of the misinformation what it's doing to this country and killing people <laughs> well then it becomes so. conspiracy theory of did do does the government want to kill a bunch of people i don't think yes. they do because they need us we're consumers they need us to continue consuming but then it's but like they don't know economics 101 well though. right it's the serpent How eating you- its own tail if we don't have money, we can't buy things. And if you give us money so that we can buy things, that money has to come from somewhere. Yes. Unless we're just making up the whole concept of go. money. If we just decide as a group, like, we've made up the concept of money. Everyone should have everything that they need. That's not going to work because they're going to be hoarders and they're yeah. going to be people that are like, I need more. And there's going to, I mean, there's, it would be great if we could, in a utopian communistic way be like we are going to provide for everyone but fair isn't equal fair is what everybody needs and it seems that americans need a lot more than maybe they do so then it becomes do we start talking about needs versus wants and how do we even broach that conversation when no one has critical thought when they're just like more 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 oh my iphone isn't good enough anymore i need another one is that one broken no but i just need another one because i need more and more because my life is empty and i need like what do you need you really what we need are you know shelter slash clothing for warmth you know hot hot and cold wanting water and a toilet's kind of nice food yeah um and i think that Oh, sorry. Go no, ahead. Go ahead. Go, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say with that, with what you're saying, too, I think with a lot of people being out of work and, you know, people even still struggling with 
unemployment because in some states unemployment ain't shit. And if you have a family, you know, you're going, that is the only important thing that you're focused on right now is food, shelter, and electricity. The basic necessities is basically what you said, you know, because I'm sure they already have plenty of clothes. Luckily, it's not winter time yet, you know, so we don't need coats because it's warm. But, you know, food, shelter, and electricity are things, modern-day necessities, because a lot of, we don't have any money to spend because a lot of people are unemployed right. or and things are closed. I mean, well, yes, you can order things online, but, you know, not everyone is living the good life. True. You know, everyone is struggling, even if you're upper middle class. You're not going to be able to travel anywhere because right. no country wants us. Right. <laughs> Number one, and but also too, you're going to have to cut your spending or sell sell that nice sailboat because right. well, I my um, it's not a sailboat; more. it's a yacht. Okay, it's a yacht. <laughs> Don't call it a sailboat. That is little and janky. It's a yacht. Okay. Well, I bet you, I bet you, somebody's selling their yachts now mm. after this. The only one who's going to buy him is Bezos. He's the only one left with money. Him and Elon Musk right. are like They've made yin money. and yang. I don't know what's going to happen. Well, as always, LaToya, it's been a pleasure and an honor to speak with you and hear your opinion about oh. this week's goings-on and what's going on with COVID and what's going on with the tea administration and what's going on. Like, who knows? I should play the four non-blondes non song. What's going on? What's Nobody going knows. On? And I said, hey, hey we hey, don't know. Hey. None of us know what's Let's going keep on. Keep yourself from going crazy. When are we gonna open That's up? Oh, I can't sing right now. <laughs> we'll get on it. Everybody, get on a Zoom call. It's uh, been it's been helping out me. So I don't know. If I feel like I know people now that are far away, and that I am having sort of like a strange community that I hang out with. Yeah, you're it's making so connections. Weird. It's so weird. They're nice, though. They seem to like so me. They seem to think time, I'm cool. Next time you go to the East Coast, you're going to have even more oh my of God. a of people oh, out there. I'm so, so set when I go out there next time. I'm, I'm so unbelievably set when I go to Jersey or New York. It's sick now. Like, I thought I had it together before, but... Jersey can become oh, my new no. Jersey can become my new Portland. No question. Like uh, honestly, I feel I feel that I've met and I have enough connections with actual bookers that run clubs and stuff like out there that I could and I'd have people to stay with. Like it's kind of crazy. So, thanks COVID, I guess. I, <laughs> try, I'm just trying to keep I'm just trying That's to keep what problem. I'm just trying to keep what Winia said in survival and in life. It's PMA. It's all positive mental attitude. Uh, it really is. The glass can be half full or half empty. I, these people are like, oh, these Zoom calls are stupid. I've gotten some amazing jokes out of them, and I've I've bounced material off people, and it's worked out. And I've workshopped things. Like all kinds of great things have happened out of that. And it's a glass half full, glass empty thing. And we're not even in that survival mode yet. It's not like I'm in the Arctic, and I'm trying to trap tiny dormice to eat them or you know I'm breaking through ice to get fish we're not to that place in survival yet but since we're still living in this urban landscape 
survival for us has a lot to do with communication and with communing with yeah. our peers. And hey, man, I used to poo-poo the Zoom, but I gotta say, I'm I'm down with it now. Cause I the only thing that sucks about it is that it hurts my eyes after a while to stare at the screen. But you know what? Everything else feels good. Everything else feels good about it. Yeah. Well, (laughs) thank you, LaToya. Everybody donate to our Venmo Mutiny Radio, all one word, lowercase, or go to mutinyradio.fm and donate on our GoFundMe. Keep us alive past October 1st. And, hey, if you're out there and you've gotten your own unemployment for your own small business, please talk to me on Facebook and talk me through it. I need this money from the government so I can keep Mutiny Radio alive past October 1st. I don't want it to die because I'm lazy or couldn't figure out how to get the money. Because supposedly the money's there. I just have to figure out how to get it. So Where's the money at? Where the money at, girl? (laughs) I'm going to find it. Well, thank you, LaToya. You're the best. Have a really safe and wonderful week. And and I'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye, love you, love you, yay, yay. LaToya, the sheriff of truth. She's so awesome. She's so great. I enjoy speaking to her in person and on the phone. I always enjoy me some LaToya. All right, so the second hour here, I'm going to play this John Cheatham interview from last week that I recorded live. And... I'll probably come on at the end of this. I'm actually going to start trying to figure out this whole unemployment thing. Oh, my God. Going to make it work, friends. Going to keep Mutiny Radio alive. That's the goal. All right. Mutiny Radio listener. You are listening to mutinyradio.fm and .sf, and we are streaming live. I also, we have a podcast happening. Uh... All the way, we have a Zoom call interview all the way from England. That's it's so crazy. In the age of Zoom, we all uh, get to know each other and meet each other here on the interwebs. I am joined by John Cheatham. Hi, John. Oh, let me give you noise. Ha, ha, ha. There we go. There we go. Hi, John. Hi, Pam. Hi. Can oh, you I, can, hear me? I can hear you fantastically. That is Perfect. great. Perfect. So you're... Um, an author, you have a new book coming out. You survived a mob hit. I mean, we need a little, give us some crazy background on, on John Cheatham and the amazing book that's coming out and what's been going to be happening with your, uh, TV miniseries that is unnamed. It sounds like some really exciting stuff happening in, uh, in your life during COVID times. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, 15 years ago, working for a real estate company. In, in England, I, I was asked to assist an American bloodstock dealer from Kentucky to buy an old abandoned racetrack in Bulgaria before Bulgaria joined the European Union. So um, I went out there and got the deal agreed. Uh, I then went back to complete the paperwork uh, and uh, the Russian Bulgarian mob shot me, threw me over a bridge. What? Over a racetrack? Yeah. And but it wasn't even they were going to get their money, or they didn't want. It was all a ruse. 
they they didn't want the Americans to buy it. The, the Bulgarian mob wanted it. And so the Bulgarian mob shot you. Where were you shot? Straight through my leg. Through your leg? Uh, Straight through my right, right leg. And but it didn't hit a femoral artery. I mean, obviously, you're live. You're talking to us, which is uh, yeah, exciting. Yeah, it's, um, I, I spent four and a half years on crutches, though, learning to walk. Wow. So it, like, hit the bone, or did it just ruin all of the it, muscle? It, or it, it, it completely shattered the bones. Oh, my God. So did you start writing? Did you write before this incident, or was it this incident that sparked? It was that, that... That incident and having time on the hands um, that kind of brought me to writing. Uh, I'd, I'd been interested when I was at school and stuff, but life takes over, sort of work and whatever's going on in your life takes over. Yeah. So um, I didn't have a great deal of time. I was always working, always busy. And then when that happens, you suddenly find... You were at home for four years. (laughs) So COVID's easy for you. You're like, B, I've been at home for four years. What are you talking about? This, uh, oh no, you have to be in your house for four months. Poor baby. It's like four years. Wow. Yeah, this this lockdown is just a warm up. (laughs) So uh, is your book nonfiction or did you write a fiction book? Based off no, it's the... not no non-fiction. Um, it's going to be the the gritty truth about everything that happened out there. Are you not afraid that they're going to come after you again? I mean, no, it's the I'm Bulgarian not... mob. They're not going to come after no, you. I, I, I survived them once. There's, there's been no chance. I'm a tough Brit. Yeah, I mean, four and a half years, shattered leg. But you can walk again. Yeah, yeah I can oh, walk, that's great. walk. Almost normal. Wow. Uh, but you still have a real job. So this is like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. still back, back in real estate, doing what I've always done. And just... So did you get an agent and a manager? Or how are you... How did you... How are you putting out this novel? Do you have a publishing company no, you're going I, through? I, or? I, I, um, I, yeah, there, there is a TV producer meeting me next week <gasps> in London to take care of all that. Wow. That's really, really exciting. Did you now, did this all come about because of COVID? Once you were on lockdown, you had the ability to kind of sell your wares or talk to people about what happened? Or was it – has this been in the works for many, many years? Uh, uh, you know, yeah, a little bit. Just before lockdown, I was at a um, sportsman's dinner, you know, sportsmen that have retired, they did sort of like charity events. Sure. I, I was at one of, one of those with uh, an ex-boxer, uh, a lightweight boxer, and in walked uh, a lady from, from my local area who was the first female world champion boxer. Wow. And uh, they're, they're doing a film in Hollywood about, about her. And she, she knows me from old. 
she grabbed hold of me and said, what's all this story about Bulgaria and you? She said, I've heard a little bit what's going on. And I, I told her briefly, she said, right, I've got an agent in London that wants to talk to you. He'll ring you on Monday. And then lockdown came yeah. uh, and we've not, we've not been able to meet. We've, we've been sending the odd email and the old conversation. But he emailed me last week and said, look, lockdown's been lifted now. How are you for the end of July coming to London to meet me to get this done? Fantastic. Hey, that's, I mean, well, it's terrible that COVID happened and everything got shut down, but that you still have the connection and, and that, because this is a really exciting project. Also that it involves, you're a Brit, you were brokering on behalf of an American in Bulgaria. Like it's, it's just, it's like a, it's kind of a, a mind twist of what's going to happen and all the cool accents, like. What does a Bulgarian accent sound like? <laughs> it's gonna be... It sounds like, yeah, average Russian. Oh, all right. So Russians. So how did you get involved with the Americans to broker this racetrack deal? That just sounds so. I, uh, I, well, uh, this is the tale at the end of the oh. story. That'll be amazing. There's a large company in America not mentioning any names, but they're in Pittsburgh, uh -huh. and they begin with W. Aha. Uh -huh. Oh. Okay, so the, the American bloodstock dealer's wife worked high up for this company. Now, she was in England, in my local area, brokering a deal for, for something here. And her husband joined her while she was here for about five years. Well, all that time they were here, they, they leased a house from me. Ah. It's the real estate. It's just so funny because you wouldn't think something, when people think real estate, they think kind of mundane. You know, they don't think like world travelers and brokering these big deals and, and, and the mob and getting shot, you usually think like, oh, you know, it's real estate, buying and selling things. But yeah, you, you think it's easy. You think you're going to have a, a little old lady coming around, buying a little house and moving in and everything's good. But now it's, uh, it's some messy, messy business out there. Wow. And you got wrapped up in it. So yeah. we're... Did you know the mob was involved? Or was it like all of a sudden it was thrust upon you that, oh, geez, I'm dealing all, with the all mob. Of, all of a sudden, I got separated from someone I was talking to, and I got shot and pushed over a bridge. <gasps> How? Okay, so now you have to tell me a little bit of the survival tale. So you're in the river. You're bleeding. No, no, it was a, a, a road bridge. It's like... Uh, I landed on tarmac. Oh, my God. You're lucky you didn't get hit by a different car. So Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I landed on tarmac. I must have I must have passed out, but I must have come around very, very quickly because they, the mob who shot me were running around 
the bridge to try and finish me off. Whoa. But I I could see all the blood and the bones and <gasps> things from my leg. And behind me was a cab light. So they about 15, 20 feet away was a, a cab wow. waiting for business. Oh. And he, he, must have, he must have seen what happened. And he reversed and picked me up and sped away. Oh, my God. That's insane. You got, you know what, even if you got pushed over the bridge onto a road below, you didn't crack your head open. Like, even the fall could have been even worse. But there's bones sticking out. You're bleeding all over the place. Did they did they clip a femoral artery, or was that why you didn't die? Because, like, it seems kind of an amazing yeah, shot. Yeah, I, 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 amazingly, no arteries were clipped. Wow. But the bones, I, I landed on, on my right leg that I'd been shot through. Whoa. So the Bone, the bones just compounded from my knee to my foot. Wow. Well, at least it wasn't the other leg because then it could have been one leg was shot and broken and shattered. And then if you would have fallen on the other leg, then you really would have had, you would have two broken legs. And then what of do you course, do? I, 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 I would have died if that happened. Oh, that's so incredible that you're alive. And the cab driver just happened to be there and he reverses and what he like, you're still lucid? You're still awake it at this point? It reverses its speed. It throws open the back door, drags me into the back of the cab and sped off. Wow. And just straight to the hospital. Hey, but wait, wait. this is in Bulgaria. No, it, 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 took, me to, it took me to my hotel. Oh. Where are you staying? Where are you staying? And he, we screeched at the hotel. And he opened the door and screamed me out in front of the hotel. Whoa, because he didn't want to be connected and then with sped, it. Sped off. Oh my God. Well, absolutely. He wouldn't want to be connected with it that either he did it or that he knew who did it or anything because then they could find yeah. him. That's wow. It. That's it. And so you're in front of your hotel bleeding and you just, are you screaming like, help me, help me? Or were you just in so much shock that you. I was in shock, so I was very, very calm. Um, but. Um, the people from the hotel came out, got me an ambulance. But next day at the hospital, um, the the police came and beat me up. What? The the police police were employed by the mafia. Oh. So they they came and beat me up and made me sign some papers to say nothing happened. We haven't seen anything. You, you're just going to go home and forget all this. Right, that you were just randomly shot on the street in Bulgaria. Don't say yeah, anything. Yeah. Don't tell your government. Yeah. This definitely wasn't mafia action. There's no there's no mafia in Bulgaria. <laughs> no, Sign the not. DNR. Did I mean, did you incur a lot of, I mean, this is kind of a mundane question, but did you incur a lot of uh, medical bills that you had to, Compensate for um, in the future? The, 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 I had triple insurance, and the oh. Bulgarians cor corruptly milked all that. Of course they did, because you have the insurance so that they could just say, oh, yeah, this juice is $12, and that's why we – wow. Yeah, is everything yeah. a racket in Bulgaria? Is that what happens when you were in, uh, like, an uh, iron – it's still, it's still a racket. The, the police officers – to date, I mean, we're talking 2020, 
I paid $30 a week. What? Doesn't give you a lot of incentive so they, to keep people they safe. Earn their money, they earn their money from being corrupt. Of course. Right. Oh my God, what a terrible system. That's crazy. That's crazy, and that was only, I mean, and this this happened 15 years ago, so we're talking 2005. This isn't like some yeah. 1988, like, story from long ago. This is recent, really recent stuff. Wow. Yeah. So you don't now, have any fear, now, um, you don't have any fear that of, that they're going to come after you now. You, you've beat them once, there's no way. Because if this, this is going to get big, there's going to be... I mean, are you going to use change the names to protect the innocent, or are you going to go with, like, oh, John I, Cheatham? <laughs> I, I, the, the, the two Americans, of course, I have to. Now, apparently, I'm not sure if it's true or what, but the, the Bulgarian mob continually shoot each other, and the Bulgarian person, the mob who shot me, apparently got shot down driving his car in the middle of Sofia about 12 months after he shot me. Uh, well, karma is real, I guess, especially if you're in the mafia. <laughs> like, how about, don't shoot people. Um, yeah. This happened, you were 30, you were 39 when this happened. How much, yeah. how much of your life do, do you, did your life completely change after this? Did it change dramatically? Or, like, is completely, this... Completely, completely. I, I lost my house. Oh. My house was repossessed. I, I, I managed to keep on to my job, although I lost most of my income because I, I couldn't do much. Right. I couldn't go out on appointments. I couldn't take listings. I couldn't do any of that. I couldn't drive. Right. Um, so... I, I went into a small rented apartment right by the office. Um, people who've been my friends, I never saw them again. Oh. Uh, life just completely changed overnight. Yeah. Wow. And I mean, just not being able to walk and not being mobile. And then I'm sure you were on a ton of pain medication. So that doesn't make it easy to work. It's, I mean, it's impossible to, like, if you have a huge injury like that, to work and heal at the same time. It just, it just, it just isn't possible. There's just not enough time yeah. in the day. <laughs> the, 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 the real issue why I was on crutches so long was the Bulgarians operated on me before they oh. sent me home, but they, they made a mess. Oh, wow. So um, it, it was so bad that the British surgeons didn't know what to do. Wow. And four of the major orthopedic hospitals in England said my leg, leg was going to get amputated. Yeah, and, I was just going to ask that. And like... I, I was, yeah, I was going to be in a wheelchair, but... Um, a charity heard my story in Malawi in Africa. Wow. And a charity came from Africa and operated on me again. And thankfully, they put it right. Wow. Because they were going to amputate your leg. I mean, that makes sense. If they yeah. shattered the bone in the thigh, that's pretty high up there. And it's like, 
a big bone that has to support your body. And then if they put it back together wrong and it healed wrong, what do you do? They, they, they put a pen in my leg that was made of two different metals. <laughs> well, they must have run out of one kind. And it's like, a, did they, are you sure they didn't use duct tape to, instead of stitches to, to stitch well, you up? They, 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 they hadn't got any medication. They operated on me in a basement of Varna Hospital with a hammer, chisel, and no painkillers. Wow. Whoa. So what was worse, being shot or being operated on after being shot? Being operated on after being shot. Wow. That's, uh, I mean, Bulgaria, what are you doing? This sounds like an expose on the country. <laughs> are you sure Bulgaria is not going to come after you? Uh, I don't mean to be, I don't. <laughs> well, uh, they, they give you the best shot. They're lost. I'm still here. Yeah, they so did. It's one nil, one nil England. But did they, are you going to sue? I mean, can you, there's no one to sue in this situation, is there? Like, no, your life no. was, your life was dramatically altered and just yes. detrimentally. And you had to change. I mean, and it's amazing what incredible struggle that you've gone through and that now you've written about it and that it's going to be a big thing. I mean, finally, some compensation for your pain. Because, I mean, that's got to be the hardest thing to deal with is just the emotional, like, this happened to me and not not having the someone recognize it and say hey i'm sorry that happened to you we can help you i mean it's nice that the that they helped and did the operation from malawi but i'm surprised you don't have a huge chip on your shoulder and a lot of anger and resentment and just anger issues toward being victimized i i, I, I I'm, I'm never angry at anybody you know wow. life goes on i'm here you just gotta keep smiling and keep going. That is like incredibly inspiring because, I mean, if if your situation, I'm just trying to put myself in your shoes. I would be like, so woe is me. I, I don't even know. Just four year, four and a half years of not being able to walk, and just like all of that painful um, rehabilitation. I, I mean. You're incredibly strong, and I'm so excited that, that this is coming out. Well, what else can you tell us about it? Again, you're John Cheatham out of England. Do you have any other – is there any way that people can become fans of yours or hear about what's going on in the process or I, – uh, I, I'm, I'm on the usual Instagram, Facebook, all, all the kind of things that I'm, I'm on all those. Um, so, yeah, I mean um, – Hook up on Instagram or Facebook with me or something. Yeah, I'd be happy to chat with everybody about it. Well, your your book is called Thirty Six Pins. Is that the name of the book? Yeah. 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 And so that, that's what I that's what I have in my leg apparently now. Wow. Wow. <laughs> you're like a you're like a human voodoo doll. You've got thirty six pins <laughs> holding you together. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Steve Austin was bionic, and I think I'm Lee Majors. Yeah, the bionic man with 36 pins. Um, and then you also said that you write music. Is yeah, did you did you do uh, that before? I, I got, yeah, no, I, I just started since lockdown. I, I I used to play around with words and things, but 
Um, I, I believe you've got a friend, Rob Adams. Yes, 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 yes. Daily. Yeah, well, I put one of my poems on Facebook and he immediately hooked onto it. Oh, fantastic. Can I put this? Can I put this in a song? He said, "I love, love the lyrics. I, I want this in a song." So he's done that for me, and, and now he wants more and more from me, which is great. That's fantastic. Well, it's great that you're being. Were you art? Were you artistic before the act? Accident is the wrong word. Before the attempted murder, were you? Um, were you creative like that, or was that? Did that come after? I think that came after. Wow. Um, I think that came after, yeah. Um, sort of four and a half years. I'm not doing much. I've got post-traumatic stress yeah. from from all this. And apparently part of my brain closes off to pain. So I don't know if I'm in pain from anything. Wow. Which is quite odd. Um <laughs> Oh, yeah, I I, uh, I I I started um, writing then, uh, but with this lockdown, it's all come to fruition. Sure. Yeah, because you've had all the time. Hey, if you don't feel any pain, you should maybe get into some tattoos. You could uh, <laughs> you could just get them all over your body, and uh, it wouldn't no, hurt no, at all. No. It'd be amazing. Then then you could really like be in the mafia, right? <laughs> Like yet yeah, some yeah. some big some big tats all over it'd be fun. Uh, hey, do you have anything else to share with our listening audience? This has been amazing. I'm so glad to have had this conversation with you, John Cheatham. I, I'm, the play, I'm pleased that you gave me the invite. I hope that when when this is all done, that we can perhaps meet up. I, I I'm I'm hoping to travel to the U.S. by the end of the year, but I'm uncertain of what going on in America yeah, yeah. yeah things are things are not quite right there yet no not even close and no one knows what's happening with opening up with closing down California where I am in San Francisco they sort of opened us up a little bit but then they just took it back and said okay everything's closed again and we're like I don't what's going on what's happening and <laughs> so and yeah. there, now there's new commercials on the TV with like people with masks on it and that's the thing that's freaking me out the most is that popular culture is starting to adopt the normalization of wearing masks. And that's just, yeah. I mean, we can adapt to anything. We're humans, obviously. You were shot in the leg when you were 39 and you not only survived, but now you're thriving. You're sur thriving and you can adapt to anything. I mean, I'm sure that if somebody asked me, could I be in a house doing recovery for four years, I'd be like, no, no way. But here you are on the other side. And uh, and now with new exciting opportunities coming your way. So yay. Yay for your suffering. No, I'm sorry. I'm making a that joke. It, that's it. <laughs> the Buddhists would love you, right? All the suffering you've gone through, it makes you enlightened. It's perfect. Uh, so tell us, you, again, you're John Cheatham on the Instagrams, on the Facebooks. Can people find your book, 36 Pins, anywhere, or they just have to wait for the... Uh, uh, not, not, not yet, very, very shortly. Um, I've already had a call from the Mob Museum in Vegas. <gasps> cool. So they, they've heard, heard the story or part of it, and they want the book when it's out. Yeah, that's amazing. 
because I'm sure they have a, a gift shop, exit through the gift shop and buy this awesome nonfiction book. It isn't even fictionalized memoir. It's nonfiction. You're just telling the story. Yeah? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, yeah, I'm, uh, as soon as it's uh, out and ready, um, we've got this TV series named, I'm going to hook up everything with you, and then if you could pop that out again on the radio, that would be fantastic. Absolutely. And Anything uh, we can do to support. Maybe, maybe this year I can get out. So I'm hoping to meet up with Rob uh, out in Daly so yeah. uh, I, I can drop by San Francisco and uh, say hello. Absolutely. It would be uh, an honor and a privilege to meet you. I'm so happy you're alive. Uh, awesome. Well, thank you so much, John Cheatham. Everybody look him up. Thanks so much for calling in to MutinyRadio.fm all the way from England here to San Francisco. And have a wonderful day. I'll send you this. Um, you'll have a copy of this podcast to do whatever you like with, and we'll be playing it on Mutiny Radio over and over so people can hear your fantastic story. That was great. Thank you. And that was John Cheatham, everyone, on Some Call Me Tim, recorded last week. Go check out his book, 36 Pins. They're in his leg. <laughs> My Lord. You are listening to the end of Some Call Me Tim. I'm going to read a quick short story because why not? I have the time. I have the stories. Uh, this, is a, this is called The Salmon Were Killed by Global Warming. I felt them swimming viciously in my stomach. Tens of thousands of wily salmon fighting upstream, leaping over each other in the freezing chill as I silently watched thin red sticks fly by outside the car window poking sharply out of the ground, dressed with dead, dried berries left unpicked from the summer. The trees are so green, but I'm surrounded by death and memory. We had so many salmon last year, you could fish for them. Usually they only let the Indians do that, but all the eggs were washed away by the rain. I'm telling you, global warming. They like to be called Native Americans. My mother is trying desperately to start conversation with me. She knows I'm more moody than usual, pointing to the back seat of the car as we drive into the city to see my brother. I'm tired of spending time with him. I'm being dipped headfirst into 33-degree lake every time I have to make eye contact. My body shivers with the judgment and the feeling that I'm not who I think I am. I'm a stupid, emotionally fragile little girl with no knowledge of world events or big words or how to debate without crying. I've been shoved unknowingly into a small metal time machine and raced back to 1994. I hide behind my bangs and try to focus on the trees as we speed over the floating bridge. This 300-foot crane toppled and killed a guy while watching TV in his apartment, but the operator came out with a few scrapes. That would have been a hell of a ride, falling 300 feet like that. My dad motions to a crane outside the window. The car wiggles slightly and my mother screams, Timothy, drive! Don't tell stories, just concentrate on the, ah! Was that our exit? My mother is a nervous passenger. She inhales desperately when the car comes too close and expects a solid six distance car lengths between bumpers. God damn it, I don't want to die today. I enjoy listening to my parents bicker in the car. It brings back happy memories. My mother yells without knowing. It's more of a voice range and a tonal change, but it's love. Water got into the structure and froze. 
It cracked the metal and just fell. Timothy! Marta, I'm telling a story. I imagine I'm falling 300 feet in a metal cage strapped to a scaffolding atop a building. I feel the crash of the glass and wood and see some man's impaled body on a sharp metal rod. His eyes are open and glazed, still focused on Oprah as she rambles on about Tom Cruise and African babies. Trees litter the side of the road. They've been recently cleared from the massive windstorms. Power was out in the city. Firewood. Look at all that firewood. Once it dries, someone will be able to use that. Huge trees were ripped from their roots and toppled power lines and smashed houses. One woman awoke next to her dead boyfriend who had been smashed by an angry branch. Their trailer was decimated. The salmon are fighting tremendously now. The frigid water splashes the back of my throat as we find a parking space. I see him in the restaurant with his perfect wife and pristine children. I am naked at my high school reunion with a name tag that reads, I haven't changed a bit. There's water in my pipes. It's supposed to get below freezing tonight. I hope the salmon don't die. <gasps> Pam! That's an, old, that's an old Pam short story I wanted to read for you guys. So thanks for being a part of Some Call Me Tim today. Thanks to John Cheatham. Thanks to LaToya, the Sheriff of Truth. Thanks to everybody who's been supporting Mutiny Radio. You can do that, too, by going to our webpage, mutinyradio.fm, and clicking that GoFundMe button and helping us stay alive and give you free speech and poetry and thought and whatever else you want for Mutiny Radio here past October. So click on that GoFundMe and help us out. You can also just... Give us money on our Venmo, Mutiny Radio, all one word, lowercase, and that would be amazingly helpful. I would be over the moon to keep this place alive. I think it's really important. So I'm going to play some stuff here. Uh, the ninth anniversary of my comedy show, uh, that was last Friday was the ninth year of me doing comedy and we had a really great show so I hope that you enjoy that and I'll join you next week uh, come join us at the outside comedy show on Fridays at seven o'clock socially distanced outside don't come if you're not in the neighborhood don't like drive from somewhere else to get here but if you're a neighbor please come out uh, stick your head out the window etc cetera, etc cetera. thanks bye everybody you're gonna see tonight stink just kidding. They're all really funny. Welcome to the happy hour, the happiest of happy hours of one hour comedy. It's actually two hours. We're going to have an open mic from six to seven where people can be dirty and disgusting and horrible and say whatever they want. And then from seven to eight, we have an outdoor comedy show and it's clean. And that that's exciting. But don't gather. Yay. And I'm going to remember tonight to ask people to give me money. Uh, and speaking of that, uh, you can donate for the open mic. And when you do, tonight it's very special because the cookies are just on stage. So after you put your money in the jar, that filthy, filthy COVID money with all those disgusting things on it, uh, pick up a cookie. <laughs> They're COVID cookies, too. Who knows what's in them? Uh, no witchcraft this week, I promise. <laughs> They're just just weed, not uh, nothing else. Okay, yay. Okay, so here we are. And we have tons of time because right now there's only... One, two, three, four comedians, five including me. So you guys can go for kind of long or whatever, however. We'll see. 
How about in, I'll, I'll honk you when I'm no longer entertained or when you ask for a minute. <laughs> How much time do I have left? <laughs> Are there two more comics that just showed up? Oh, whatever. Well, they ain't here now, so fuck them. <laughs> I was going <laughs> to... Uh, first up of the mic, I believe he's the only person who actually signed up. Do you want to go first or do you not want to go first? Oh, then we should do that. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, but we can only have 11 people inside, so it's okay if people have to stand outside to watch you do comedy if there's other real people that want to see you do that. That's exciting. Okay, well, then we'll wait. That's fine. Rachel? Do you want to? Pancake? Sam can't. He's eating. Okay, everybody put your hands together. It's Rachel Pinson. What's up, guys? Hey. Hey. Don't ask the audience how they're doing. I heard that's not good to do. And I also don't care, so there's that. I uh, I wanted to tell a story. I want to tell a story the first time that I came to San Francisco. Are you okay? He just hit his head. Do we need an ambulance? Oh, good. <laughs> there's an ambulance coming already. <clears throat> So I was traveling around the hitchhiking and shit, the blind shih tzu, my beautiful piece of shih tzu, going around different places, baby Lou. Uh, he ended up getting attacked by this dog. At the same time, my ex at the time found out his dad was dying. So we left from Montana, we went straight to California, and I had to like get rid of this dog. <laughs> Because he was dying, and I was like taking him to all these vets, and they're like, We won't help you because we don't have any money. Long story short, uh, I ended up giving him up for adoption. Um, but then that, that landed me in uh, San Francisco, and I was at the Civic Center, and there was like a fish show going on. And I'm like super bummed because like I love my dog, you know, like I was a seeing eye human, and uh, I'm just sitting on the lawn making jewelry because I'm a fucking hippie or whatever. And this guy comes by and he's like, doses, doses. And I was like, well, I'll take a free sample. And he's like, I'm only going to do this because I know that I have the best doses. And if I give you acid, you're going to tell all your friends to buy acid for me. So I took it and I'm like, none of my friends have money. That's hilarious. Um, <coughs> but it worked. Uh, it was really good <laughs> drugs. And I'm tripping balls, and, like, I was just in Montana at this hippie event, and, like, all these hippies that I saw there, like, a lot of them were in San Francisco because it was, like, Jerry Garcia's death and birthday weekend, and it was, like, fish was in town. So I'm, like, sitting outside this fish show tripping balls, and this guy that I was, like, traveling with at the time, he was like, hey, come with me. And I'm like, where are we going? And like, we start running. I'm like, why are we running? And then we go into this building, this r really circular building. And I walk in, and everyone's dressed so nice. And we're like going through this hallway. And he's like, shh. I'm like, why do we have to be quiet? I don't know. I don't know what's going on. So he opens these doors. And underneath us, there was a symphony. And as soon as we sat down, they sat down, they started playing. 
and they started doing, and it was like uh, the San Francisco Symphony does the Grateful Dead. So it was like all these Grateful Dead songs, and I'm tripping balls, and everything's beautiful. I'm like, oh, this is crazy. And wait, is there a punchline to that? So, uh, <laughs> so yeah, I started off, uh, I, I, I experienced classism because when I was like a, when I was just like a dirty homeless kid with like a backpack and a dog, these kids on Haight Street would come up to me and they'd be like, hey kid, you want to do some acid with me? Like, sure, man. But now I live here and I have like a shower and I don't have to walk around with my backpack or my dog and the same kids come up to me and they're like, hey, excuse me, ma'am, would you like to buy some acid from me? And that's, that's classism. One time I was sleeping in the park and someone just steals my backpack and I'm like, what the fuck? There's nothing in there but a bunch of dirty clothes. Like what were they gonna do, sell my crusty underwear? Because I was gonna sell my crusty underwear <laughs> and they took my hustle and that's not nice. I was in Atlanta once uh, and this guy comes up to me and he's like, oh, it's fucked up, man, it's fucked up. I just got arrested, I just got out of jail. I'm like what happened? He's like, all I was doing was making love to my girlfriend in our own home. We just happened to be homeless. Damn. <laughs> Dow Jones, he was cool. <laughs> so one time, <laughs> I was just like going to story time. So I had this blind shih tzu, like I, I mentioned, and I, uh, I went to Arkansas. Have you guys ever been to Arkansas? No. Arkansas is great for certain reasons, not political reasons or the people there. But what's cool about Arkansas is that there's so many quartz crystals everywhere. There's like if you go to Mount Ida, they're all over the ground, like all these beautiful quartz. They call them uh, Arkansas diamonds because they're just so like perfect, they're, like, perfect quartz. So I go there like I'm just caravanning with a bunch of hippies. I end up in Mount Ida. We're finding all these rocks on the ground and like putting them together. We have, like a backpack full of shiny rocks. And uh, and then a tornado comes through and then we get like like reined in and we're like stuck into this. And <laughs> we're like stuck in, um, in like in where our camping place was because it was all flooded. We're like shit, like we're like missing the first day of the festival, which I didn't have a ticket for anyway. So I'm like, okay, whatever. But then the <laughs> when the flooding stopped, we were able to leave, and all of us went to this festival. And my friends were like jumping over the fence and getting chased by security. And I just have this blind shih tzu, and there's like mud up to my knees, right? And I'm like trudging through, and I just like see a group of people. And I just start walking with them like I'm supposed to be there. Nobody checked my ticket. It was fine. It was great. I just walked in there, and then all of these people would like, all of these people, we would get anything we needed by trading these rocks from people who were not from Arkansas, right? Like all these like tourists, they're like giving us all kinds of shit. Like here's some pot for the shiny rock, you know? Like here's like a little trinket for this, and it was so cool. It was so cool, and all the locals were like, these shiny rocks? I'm tired of stepping on the damn things. Like, what are you, like, no, I don't want any of these courts. So I'm sitting there, and I'm at the camp, the campground, right? 
because I, I was with this blind shih tzu and we were like i realized that like the best most comfortable place to be was on the bus that kept going from the campground to the festival to the campground to the festival and i just stayed on there i was like so warm with this dog and my dog was getting warm too and i'm like oh this is so good and then finally he's like this is the end of the ride you have to get off this bus I'm like, okay, shit. So I, I didn't have my shoes or any of my gear because my <laughs> road dog at the time, the guy I was traveling with, was like, I don't even know where he was, you know? I'm just like, so I like find his car magically, and I'm like, I guess I'll just sit here until he gets here. And I'm like, so cold, you know? And these people gave me a chair. <laughs> and then, <laughs> so I was like sitting there, like holding the shih tzu for warmth, like, it's gonna be fine. He's gonna get back here. And then he comes back and he's like tripping balls. I'm tripping balls. I was like, ah, oh, spirit. His name was Spirit. I was like, ah, oh, spirit, finally. Oh, this is so cool. You're here. <laughs> and <laughs> and we're sitting there, and it was like this beautiful mountainscape, and like this, this the sun was rising, and we're just, and he's just like, this, this right here. No, this is perfect. This is perfect for DMT. Oh, my God, we need a Deemster Ferry. Where's the Deemster Ferry? And then this guy comes out of nowhere. I was like, did somebody say DMT? He's <laughs> like, yes, I did. Are you the Deemster Ferry? Oh, my God. And he's like, well, no, I don't have, like, DMT, but I got this ayahuasca. Like, I went through all this thing. He, like, told us the extraction, and he showed us this bottle of, like, really muddy water. <laughs> and he's like, 50 bucks, man. It's two weak doses or one strong dose. And Spirit's like, man, I don't I don't have any money, but I got shiny rocks. <laughs> and he like pulls out this palette of quartz crystals, <laughs> and the guy's like, "What? This is so cool!" Like, he was from Florida or some shit. He's like, "Oh my god, this is, <laughs> whoa, these great, this is great shiny rocks." So he like gives <laughs> Spirit the ayahuasca, and then <laughs> he's like sipping it, and he kept calling it show juice, and he's offering it to people. He's like, does anyone want to try this show juice? Is it? I'm like, dude, it's not even gonna work if I take a sip of it. Like, you should just drink this show juice. Like, meanwhile, I'm ground scoring all these beers people left behind. I'm like drinking all morning. <laughs> like, I'm like finally warm. I got this, and like he's going, he's like tripping balls at this point. The 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 rangers come and like he finds this like this awning this like <laughs> awning and he's like playing with it and he's like what squilly do and he squilly don't and then he's squilly over here squilly squilly and then like <laughs> the security guards try to take it from him he's like they're trying to take my squilly they're trying to take so I'm like okay well you got that handled I'm gonna go take a shower because all the showers were unoccupied oh my god I need one so bad I was on the I was covered in mud so I take a shower I'm like <laughs> so drunk I I come out and this girl's like ma'am. Ma'am, we're going to have to ask you to leave because it's cleanup. It, the festival's over. If you're not gone by 7.30, we're going to have to call the cops. And, like, I look up and I see my friend, like, going back and forth. He's, like, in the spirit room. And she's like, and your friend over there is way too drunk to drive. And I'm like, don't worry. I'll drive. And I'm like, super. I'm like, don't worry. We'll get out of there. He's like, okay, good. And we're like, we're out of here. So I like go up to spirit. And I'm like, hey, man, it's time to go. And we're like, before I said it, actually, he was like, it's time to go. And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, you're not driving. And I'm like, no, I'm not. So we get in his, like, Honda Civic. And we're, like, going down the road and, like, uh, trying to find the, the seek refuge in the Walmart parking lot at the end of the hill, you know. And he looks over and he's like, man, I've never driven on ayahuasca before. And that's the story. Rachel Benson. She also identifies uh, as a witch. Our pronouns are we and us. <laughs> That's how we're working that out. Uh, that was 10 minutes. That was perfect. You did a solid 10. Just so you know, I timed you. Yeah, that was great.
That was so fun. I got to hear that story the other night, and it was it was it was it was great. I'm so glad that you did it on stage. It's super funny, and I can't wait to hear it again. Yay, the spirit world. Are your people here, Thomas, or do you want to wait? They're here. Okay. Hey, your next comedian. He's the bringer. He brought the not audience. Uh, just so everybody knows, there's no more than 11 people in the room at any time. Everybody's socially distanced. There's gloves on the stage. If you, um, um, Rachel, did you grab a cookie? Grab a cookie. You got to grab a cookie. They're up there. Rachel, Rachel needs to grab a cookie. She just always free on Tuesdays from 4 to 6. It's a great show. It's about the Rainbow Gathering, and she has camped in, in all kinds of places, and you heard a great story about that. She's a traveler, man. Uh, your next comedian uh, has a mustache that looks like he wants to travel all over the United States on its own motorbike. I feel like it's just going to I feel like it's gonna get a motorcycle and go on without you. Put your hands together, everybody. It's Thomas. I get a little horny and I'm on a little funky. Give me something back up and make fun of it. Oh, happy Friday night, everyone. If it weren't for this, I'd be so bored. In fact, probably the rest of the week, when you don't see me here, you just see me, you just hear about me existing, you know, when you ask me how I was. I was probably bored. I was probably bored. And I'm just telling you it's fine because uh, I can't just get into that right now. Um, but I've been so bored. Uh, as it's catching up to me, like, honestly, you know, I felt like I would have enough to do even though it's only two years into quarantine, like I thought that I would have not run out of hobbies by now. You know, I started knitting for a while. That was nice. But I just can't bring myself to knit and crochet another queen size quilt. My fingers have been worked to the bone. The bone, I say. So I need something to watch. And, uh, you know, usually people would just, you know, they'd send me TikTok videos, but I know that that is brain poison, so I'm not going to watch that stuff. And uh, I've been kind of digging deep to find, like, what is really the most comforting thing that I would love to watch right now? And it's definitely old seasons of The Bachelor and Bachelorette, 100%. Absolutely weird. Um, but it's also, at the same time, the greatest love experiment ever put on film. One top prize and 30 hopeless idiots and six weeks to find your soulmate. Uh, it's amazing there aren't more lawsuits about around that show. Um, I truly feel like, you know, before before COVID, like I'd watch it for like, right, the drunk fights and, you know, the the trips and the heartbreak and just the useless mumbo jumbo that comes out of these people's mouths. Like, I like really feel like I'm starting to reach a point where I'm thinking about falling for you. What the fuck does that mean? Do you love me or not? I just want the somebody to look them right in the eye and just challenge their beliefs. But um, no, uh, it's gotten to a point where now with the COVID, like I'm looking at it and it's like a thing that could only exist pre-COVID. It's like if you told your friends tomorrow that you kissed 10 girls in one night, pre-COVID, they'd be like, hell yeah, my boy is getting it. If you go back to your roommates and say you you kissed 10 girls yesterday, they'd be like, are you trying to fucking murder us, <laughs> you sociopath? Have some respect for yourself. 
it's gotten really out of hand. It's like, you know, so, I mean, obviously that show is not going to reach a point where it can, like, do its thing again. You can't do it the same way. So I propose an alternative. This is going to be on Netflix, a little edgier, a little more production value. Uh, you know, you get people. It's a COVID dating show, so people are wearing masks. You can only see their eyes. You know, their teeth could be fucked up. Their nose could be fucked up. Everyone's got to be six feet apart. So if you get drunk, you can't pull weaves. You have to, like, throw shit at people. Like, right, it's a little bit more tactile. It's a little bit more athletic and shit, you know? And, like, they can't touch. They can't hug. They can't kiss, you know? So how are they going to show affection, you might ask? Ah, there's the rub. See, it's like it's like regular Bachelor but with a twist. Because before you could actually show affection, and now you have to uh, basically, you know, keep your distance. So I'm assuming, I'm, I'm envisioning 30 contestants, one top prize, one iPhone with an app that controls 30 vibrators inserted into said contestants. And just let it roll, baby. Just give that, give one man or woman, oh yeah. It's going the other way, too. But if you give that person that much power, that's the only maybe, like, philosophical dilemma. But it would lead to some really, really great, some really, really great moments. You know what I mean? Guy gets on the treadmill, maybe forgets to, like, close out of that screen. And he's just, like, for, like, an hour straight, just, like, making everyone buzz. Or, like, maybe a more serious date, you know, where it's, like, it's like the two of them. It's like, Jackie, I really just appreciate you opening up tonight about your mom's pill addiction and your dad's conviction and subsequent suicide. I think it takes a lot of courage and uh, even more courage to face, you know, having no father for your son and a special needs little sister. I just want you to know that I love you and I'm here to support you. <laughs> Do you feel that? Do you feel that? Oh man. How much time do I have? Do I have another minute? Alright, cool. I could uh, this is all I have, so there we go. Uh there's a guy at my work who calls me T Graz and I'm like Cut that shit out. It's one thing if, like, the very cool guy at work were to call you T-Graz, you'd be like, hell yeah, Mitch, something cool. But this is, like, the nerdiest man at my work, and he tries to put this coolness on me, and it's like, I don't want anything to do with what you think is cool, Colby. Don't put a J-Lo name. I mean, you got to earn that. Jennifer Lopez, J-Lo, All-Star Skateboarder, Paul Rodriguez, P-Rod, right? Academy Award-winning actress, Jennifer Lawrence, J-Law. Supermodel, Gigi Hadid, Jihad. Maybe she could go by Jiha. I don't know if she actually, because I don't know if she goes by Jihad. It's probably not right. If she goes by Jihad, it sounds like a gangster cowboy. And I don't know if that would be really the best thing for her either. Um, 
That's it. You guys have fun? That's it! Thomas, you did a solid seven minutes. Good for you. Yay, take a cookie. Take a cookie. There's 20 milligrams in the cookies. Oh, you did it. You haven't taken a bite yet. It's okay. You'll be fine. And it's, it's just, it, you'll be fine. Uh, yay, you're all here at the happy hour. Um, everybody should take a seat. There's uh, How many people are in here now? Because I have to count. Oh, Sam's bag is in a bag. It's not a person. You can take his bag and put it on the ground, and that chair over there counts as a the bag is not a the bag is not a princess. So the um Will Brown can sit over there in that in that chair, and then there's enough chairs for everybody six feet apart. Yay! Um Sam, do you want a mad dog with pancake and see who goes next? Do you want a mad dog with pancake and see who goes next? You don't care? You do you want to go next or do you want to go not next? What do you want? It's you, Pancake, me, Will Brown, uh, Luke Moore. Well, then Luke, Luke Moore's, or, are you ready? Okay, everybody, it's Sam Carroll, yay! Hello. Hello. You guys got essential jobs? You got essential jobs? You collecting unemployment? You're smart, smart, very, very smart. You got a side hustle? 